0: today 's message is not a part two of last week, because last week is a standalone message on the goodness of God. It was well sorry, it was really the good message, the good news of the gospel. Easter Sunday is a, is a great opportunity for us to celebrate the power of the good news and, and so um, but the good news is can be encapsulated in, in a message like we did on our Sunday because there 's so many parts to it, and, and there 's so many critical parts. That I feel, um, and, and you can tell me and you can l- listen to it for yourself and find out how often is it that we hear messages that encapsulate, that put the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross um, as the gospel in, in, in that way. And it's, it's really, we, it's the foundation. That message of the cross is the foundational message of everything. It really is. It is the, the foundational message that we, if there is any message that we were supposed to get our hearts rooted and grounded in, it is in the message of the gospel. And, and in Romans 1.16, as we said, I'm, uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the good news or the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes and and the salvation, Sozo Soteria, is to be not only eternally saved, but it's to experience healing and wholeness and protection and safety and prosperity. All of that is wrapped up in the gospel. And what is the power of God to experience that? I mean, the gospel is the power of God to experience it, the good news, because it reveals a righteousness from God. So I, I'm not going to unpack, and this is, again is, is not supposed to be a part two to addend the gospel, but, but you know that that message is so great and so deep that we can explore the depths of our salvation. We can explore how and why and, and the victory that, we've, that we sing about on Sunday. So when I, So my title here, Extra, Extra, Extra Good News... There is so much good news that we can mine out of what Jesus did in that finished work. But you know that it was a finished work. It was done 2,000 plus years ago. And so we, like Nate said on Sunday, we get to look back 2,000 years. We're very fortunate. We're incredibly fortunate. We're living in a day and age where we've got so much information. We've got so many versions of the Bible, especially in English. We're the blessed, most blessed language in the world by far. The amount of translations and, and, and variations and uh, studies that we have at, at our fingertips that we can look back and, and plumb and dig into uh, this thing that happened 2,000 years ago. Where God did judge the world and, and, and Jesus became the sin that was on, that, that became the sin of the world on the cross. And I, and I taught that last week. And that is... That is something that religion struggles with. Religion, and if you have a religious bone in your body, it will balk at that idea that Jesus, the Son of God, who emptied himself, who emptied himself of his divinity, took on the very nature of a a man, and he became our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became our sin, and that's why when Moses lifted up that pole that Jesus said that the Son of Man was going to happen in John 3 when he talks about that, that he became, that's why that pole and that staff had a serpent on it, because Jesus became sin. And this is something that is hard to wrap our, our minds around. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you lay hold of the truth of what we, we're plumbing into here. Because when that victory that was won, was, it was not so that you have to have victory over sin. You have to have faith that Jesus had victory over sin. There's a big difference. Because there's a lot of Christians today that are trying to find victory over sin. And they end up in frustration because they're trying to struggle because they've got a, a particular sin or they've got a, a depression in their lives or they've got this issue or they've got this. They're trying to achieve what Jesus already earned and had victory over. They are trying to grab hold of. And they told, because there's a misunderstanding of the word faith, they said they are told that if you have enough faith, you can earn it. no. No, no, no. By faith, we believe what Jesus was had earned the victory. The victory was earned. The judgment, as I said, the good news last week, judgment, uh, the, the fact that, that all our sin was paid for is half of the good news. And then the other half of the good news that I said was that we were given his very righteousness. It was a great exchange, and, and that, is, that is incomprehensible to the natural human mind. But it, but it is a powerful truth that we've got to establish ourselves. We, we've got to be able to look in the mirror. No matter how ugly you think you are or how, or, or how deficient you think you are or what a failure you think you are, you've got to be able to boldly look in the mirror and know that you know that you know that you are the righteousness of God. You have to persuade your heart. You have to persuade your heart of this truth that I am the very righteousness of God. Why? Because you deserve it? No. Because it was a free gift. Because it is a free gift. That victory, again, past tense, was earned 2,000 years ago. We have faith of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And... (laughs) And uh, I mean, uh, the, the fast forward to the next part is that we are told that we're a co-heir. So we, we share in the promises that, that he, he's earned an inheritance. Jesus earned an inheritance. I, I, I touched on this last week and I didn't delve into it much, but Jesus died. It says that, that he died and went to hell. Um, he, be, he went to Hades. Do you, do you realize that? Now, again, religion will bulk at these ideas, these thoughts. But he did, he went and he said, this generation, he tells us in Matthew, this generation will not be given any sign except the sign of Jonah, yeah. who went through three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and he, and he goes, and you go and read Jonah, and we can study this at length, and I don't want to dig, dig deep into it, but if you go and study Jonah too, and you see the prophecy that Jonah prophesied was a picture of what Jesus was experiencing in hell, do you know that Jesus went to hell with every sin On him. Every sin of the whole world was on Jesus. But you see, it's important when we understand it, when we grasp the fact that Jesus took the sin of the world and was the judgment and took the judgment of the world and went to hell with us. And God made him who had no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 again, to become sin for us that in him we become the very righteousness of God. So when Jesus went to hell with our sin and our sin and transgressions and sicknesses and diseases and faults and failures and all of those things were on Jesus that he had victory over them. He had victory. And it says tells us that God raised him from the dead. So in that period of time in the 3 days and 3 nights in 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 hell where Jesus had victory and and, and was raised And he had victory over sin, all our sin, of victory over all our fault, over every sickness and disease, every fault, every failure that you and I could ever experience, did ever experience, was on Jesus. He is the victor. He is the one that God raised from the dead. He is the firstborn of many brethren. He is the one that, that that was raised in righteousness. He, is, he, he was the one that got to seat, it was seated in the right hand at the right hand of the Father, and us in him, it tells us. Us in him seated at the right hand of the Father. That's crazy. Crazy, awesome, incredible. What? Like you said, Isaiah says, Who will believe this message? Who? Isaiah 53, who will believe this? It is up to us whether we will take him at his word. And, and listen, guys, there is so much. You've just got to decide. I don't have to understand stuff. When it comes to God, you have to reach a place where you decide, I either believe what he says or I don't. Because if you are in the, the place where you're going to say, well, let me think about that. I'm talk- and I'm not talking about what Shannon says. I'm talking about what the word of God says. You have to decide, I will believe you, Lord, even if I don't understand what is being said. Your understanding doesn't come, you, you can't sit in judgment on God's word by your understanding. You just choose. I will believe what you said because simply you said it. And then it's by faith we understand. When we, when we understand, and that's by faith, that's by faith we understand, when we trust that we just, that, that we will, that God said it and I believe it, but you know what we do constantly in the church today, and I say the church very loosely, I'm talking about religion just out there, churchianity out there. They have denied the seven-day creation. They've denied the existence of Adam and Eve. Oh, these are just pictures and this is not this. And they deny the flood. They constantly deny this. This is just, they constantly are denying, denying the word of God. And if we aren't rooted and grounded in the fact that this is God's word and it is truth. Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word in the beginning. He is the Word right now today. He is not going to change. He does not lie. He is faithful. You can take his word to the bank, so to speak. That is that is a done deal. If we think that we can say, well, I don't know, you know, you know, this preacher that you should, you know, he's got a good, he's got so many doctorates, and he says, and he says that you really, you really, we don't need to believe that homosexuality is not a sin or that that there wasn't any flood or, or of multiple things there's so many vari- variations of deceptions and I spoke a few weeks ago just about the power of the deceptions in the end time and Jesus said that there would be there would be people among us that would rise up that would be wolves in sheep's clothing yeah, right. and we have to make a determination that we if we call ourselves a, a child of God if we call ourselves uh, a, 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 a disciple of Jesus, then we've got to say, Lord, I choose to believe you. Amen? Amen. In any case, uh, so uh, the, the, the gospel, the word, the word of God, I want to start at, well, start, but I guess already started, but 1 Corinthians 1, it says this in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, let the cross be emptied of its power. The word the cross is, is, is so often repeated and, and, and it's, it's a, it's, it encompasses so much. And so it's often Paul uses the word and he just uses the word the cross. And if you think logically and if you were, if you were stuck in your carnal thinking, you would think he'd talk, he's talking about two pieces of wood. But he's not. He's talking about everything that Jesus accomplished through his death when he said it is finished on that day, and he took on the judgment of the world, he took on the judgment from our sin. Then he went to help. When he paid for the price for every sin, then he was raised to life again with victory over all of these, etc., etc. As we as we dig into these things, amen. So he says this: the cross be emptied of its power. Verse eighteen it says, "For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." The cross, this, if you want to experience, if I had to ask anybody randomly and i just say, do you want to experience the power of God? Everybody said, oh yeah, I want, to, I want to experience the power of God. Because we have this idea that we can go to a fancy kind of concert and, or whatever and run around the building and fall down and, and see smoke in the room and... But listen, like Nate said on Friday night, what is, what, is, what is the result of you going to a fancy meeting? If you don't get up off the ground or laugh and you get up and you are changed and you are motivated and it changes your direction for kingdom purpose, then I don't know what you experience. Some kind of spiritual entertainment? I'm telling you, this revival that's coming across, if you want to call it that, this revival that's coming across, it better be more than feelings, people, because if all you're chasing is feelings, that's going to be empty, like a mist come and go, and it's going to deceive people. It's like, oh, I thought if, you, if it doesn't lead to life change, if it doesn't motivate us to go and reach the world with the gospel, if we're not stepping up and saying, listen, I'm going to live kingdom first, I'm going to live Jesus first, because that's what Christianity is about. You know, that, that scripture in, John, in, in Matthew 6.33 is, is not just for preachers. We have this idea that, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's for preachers because no, 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 no. But it's the power of God. If we, if we want to lay hold of the power of God, we have to be rooted and grounded in what was finished at the cross. And I'm telling you, it is a journey of understanding. It's not listening to Shannon on a Sunday morning or wherever you're going to get pick up or, or one of my favorite books, Jim's book on the gospel of peace, that book that I highly recommend, grab hold of it, and you can read that book and study it, and get, well, not just because it's Jim writing it, but go and check out, like with any book, please go and check out the scripture. With any teacher, go and lay hold of the scriptures, unpack the scripture. I'm telling you, there's a lot of, if you come to Lake Haven Church, and if you've decided that us that we're a church for you, then you will hear that there is a slightly different note in our voice. We're not different from, uh, there are other people that have, got, that have got revelation of God. I know that, and we're not all that and a bag of chips. We're not better than other people. But I'm, t- I'm telling you that if you, don't, if you don't lay hold of the finished work of the cross, if you don't understand some of these things, if you are exposing yourself to a lot of other, other teachers that have got big audiences, you will be confused. If you, pick up any, if you just pick up any book and say, oh, well, this guy says he's a Christian. I'm going to read this book. I'm telling you, danger. Amen. And Shannon, are you saying, you, no, listen to what I'm trying to tell you, please. Hear the heart of what I'm telling I'm saying that if you want to lay hold of faith righteousness, then listen to faith righteousness, people that are established on faith righteousness. I've learned and I constantly learn a lot of things from people who aren't established in faith righteousness. But I'm telling you, you've got to read very carefully but when you read books like that. You've got to step over this and be careful of this. And you've got to it's kind of like picking your way on a plate of food that is laced with a lot of other stuff. Because there's a lot of preachers that aren't established in the finished work of God. And if you just eat randomly, you eat everything, you wonder why your life hasn't got any power in it. Because you are confused, you are confusing your belief system. You're establishing things in your heart. Listen to me carefully. By the Spirit of God, I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Your choices determine where you're going in life. Your choices determine where you're going in life. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you're going to face in life and in in God and in everything is going to be determined by your choices. Everybody knows this, but you've got to think about it. I have a free will. I have choice. But you see, as soon as we, that is interrupted because if we believe that God is in control and we can just sit back and choices are automatically going to be made for me. No, your lack of choices is a choice. But you've got to understand this. Either your lack of decision making or your choosing to do something, but your life is determined by your choices. That is going to happen. Take it or leave it. You have a free will. Like it or not, you can choose what to do with that free will. You can choose what to believe with that free will. And that's my next thing that I'm saying. So with, with, if you want to, as I said, you're determined. If you don't change what's in your heart, you've already chosen the path ahead of you. You will experience more of what you're getting right now. Because if you don't change what's in your heart... You've heard me say this in varying forms, but that's what, and Nate also <laughs> mentioned this on Friday, but, but repenting is changing or aligning or choosing to change or align our beliefs that we keep in our heart, that we determine in our heart, that is what repenting is. I bring my, my heart into alignment with what God says. I choose to believe because when my heart is in alignment, my dis- this is the core of my decision-making process. What I already believe is going to determine, one, the motives of why I'm going to make a choice, and it's going to determine, two, the priority of everything that I line up in my life. So if I don't change the operating system, if you will, if I don't completely change the operating system in my belief system, then I'm just going to, oper- I'm going to make the same choice in the same situation for the same reasons with the same priority that I've just made the other choices before. And if, you've t- if you're tired of going around the proverbial mountain again, or you want to get more than what you've experienced so far, then you've got to be able to change what you believe. You have to repent. And that's not w- weeping <laughs> That is aligning, choosing to align your belief system with what God says. And this is the belief system of all, the cross. Amen. The power of the cross. What Jesus did and accomplished with it is, that is this is why it says in 1 Corinthians, this is why to us who are being saved, he says in verse 18, it is the power of God. Um, in, in Galatians 5.11, he talks about uh, being persecuted for the offense of the cross. He in in, in um, he says this. Um, my, but if brothers, I still preach uh, circumcision. Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. In, in six verse twelve, he also talks about um, that they would they don't want to be persecuted for the cross. The cross and what you believe will get you persecution. It will. And and let me tell you. If you what you determined, this will be a determining factor in times to come as well because it's it's immortal, it's 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 written in more than stone, it's written in the heavens, it's written in the Logos himself. That this is what will happen because the cross is an offense to religion. What you determined to believe about the cross and its finished work will ultimately choose certain things. And when persecution arises for the word's sake, exactly. you, will have to, you will be left with what you You can say, listen, I just want to rather just give me a form of godliness. Give me a nice air-conditioned building with cozy pump pews or chairs or whatever. Tell me I'm going to be okay, but I don't, I don't really want to live my life ordered by the gospel, ordered by the power of the cross. That is your choice. Your free will. It does determine not only, however, what you experience here, it does, exp- it does determine what you will experience in eternity. Amen. And I'm talking about not just going to heaven, I'm not talking about scraping it in like the Bible says. There will be people that will make it in to heaven by the skin of their teeth. There will be. And praise God for that. That's better than the alternative. You know, I, I was looking up numbers this last week. It was kind of fun. You know, when you talk about a billion or a trillion, we've got no concepts, right? Have you ever done all the, any of this math? You know that if you took, um, I, if you took, a, a, well, I had is a million seconds. I think you can do in a year. I don't know how many months it takes to get to a million seconds, but it's, it's like I don't know, eight or nine months to get to a million seconds or whatever the case is. But a billion seconds goes to 31 years. 31 years. One billion seconds. And a trillion seconds times that by a thousand. 31,688 years for one trillion seconds. If you took a trillion pennies and stacked them up on top of one another, you could go to the moon three times. The distance to the moon, three times, one trillion pennies stacked up on each other. A trillion. Now think about that. That We're just talking about seconds. Do you know what a light year is? A light year is the distance that light travels in a calendar year, one of our calendar years where we place it in it. But it's the, tr- the distance that light can travel. And, of course, you know that, that we can, it, how far it can travel. I'm not going to go into that. But it's an immense amount of distance. It takes eight minutes for the light of the sun to reach Earth. So a light year is enormous. How, much, how far can, can, can you go in one single light year? When we talk about eternity, just to give you a little bit of perspective here, Where are we going to be in a trillion light years from now? Or how about a hundred thousand trillion light years from now? Our lives are fractional. But the problem is, we've made them everything. We have valued everything compared on this little sliver of time the hebrews in hebrews 11 it talks about the heroes of faith and what they suffered and what they endured for the sake of even the potential of god on what the prophets endured and what these heroes of faith endured so that they can have a better resurrection you mean you can have a better resurrection uh evidently yes it's only eternity you see, if we, don't have a, if we don't have an appreciation for the things of what God gives us, then we we, we, we use them. We don't use them as they ought to. We don't have an appreciation for what God has given us and what He's asked us to do. Because we just think, eh. You know, we kind of think that we're going to tack on a few hundred years in our minds because we've got no concept of, of what it's like, what eternity means, with no end. Anyhow, I just thought that was kind of fun to, to 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 talk about because it is just so enormous. But so we see here the cross, it is determining what we believe about the cross determines the power that we're going to experience. And listen to this, not only the power because again, if we're very carnally minded, we think all of this is just for me. Because I do need deliverance, I do need salvation, I do need healing. I do need prosperity. I need all of these things. Those are for me. But there is so much more when we are looking outwardly, when we are, when we are motivated by the love of God, and the love of God, as we've heard this week through overflow, when the love of, love of God is the one that constrains us and compels us and, that, and to, to reach other people. And that's what we live our lives for. I mean, Nate is, what, 40 years old. I think Nate just turned 40. Youngster. And he is... He, I mean, he is knocking the gospel out the park. He is, he is prioritizing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just so, I'm just so honored to know this young guy who just loves Jesus. And they, they put their lives on the line. They go. I mean, they, by the way, if you want to go to Zambia with Nate on a mission trip in June, you can go. I think it's $3,600. The flights are expensive in June. $3,600, but you've got to sign up like really quickly. If you want to go to Africa with Nate, you can do it in June. And then he's got another trip coming up um, in October. Uh, right near the end of October for two weeks and you can go with that'll probably be less expensive because the flights will change but if you want to go and experience crusades and operating and things like that with 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 Nate I highly recommend if you've ever wanted to go to Africa then put it and put on your wish list go go you can go join him experience something of the gospel and experience but don't let that just be an experience to I've done my little mission trip you know what I mean Kudos to me. Don't you think I'm wonderful? I spent $3,600 and I went on a mission trip. You guys should appreciate all me for what I did That You know, that's not like... It's like, no, I mean, learn... Go... go, go. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The, the, the harvest is white. It's ready. I tell you what, it was... It, I used to get a little bit aggressive when I came off the mission field because I felt like the church... It feels when you come off the mission field and you do crusades and you see what God is doing and you see lives being touched and you see people's lives being transformed and, 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 and coming to know Jesus and all of these things. And you come back home and all, and, and honestly, to and I was coming back home to South Africa at the time and I saw, it was like we were playing at church games because the church was sitting there complaining about, the color of the carpets, or the wall color of the church, or some minuscule thing that's got absolutely nothing to do with kingdom. When you come off the mission field and you see that, you want to get aggressive. you, you, you feels like you want to get that table-flipping Jesus part of you, you know? It's like, you're like, what the heck are you doing, people? You know, and so, you know, but, but, but I'm, I'm not, it's not, it's, I, I hear my heart, hear my heart. It's just that there's, there is, there is people living and dying with eternity in stake. And, and there's these things that are so much greater. But if we're not motivated, if we don't even understand the gospel, then we're still beating ourselves up because we did something wrong this week. Because we are so uneducated with the gospel of right, the, the finished work of the cross and the righteousness that he earned, we don't even understand what the stumbling stone is. Because we don't care to listen. We don't care to read our Bibles. What is the stumbling stone? I don't know. Well, the cross the cross is the stumbling stone. We'll get into some of that. Jesus is the actual cornerstone. And, and, and the word that, um, that we heard this morning, you know, uh, it's... He is, he, is, he is our foundation, absolutely, but He is our cornerstone. I, I, mean, I, I don't even want to pull out this... Oh, I feel like... Let I me mean, just wonder. In Ephesians chapter 2... Um, It says in verse 16, I know I'm picking out here just because I don't for the sake of time. It says that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Um, For through him we both have access but in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple for the Lord. But we see there I, I, that Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, listen to this in Colossians 2. Man, this is a powerful... We could literally spend weeks on these couple of scriptures, but uh, we won't. In, in verse 13, And you... Who? You. <laughs> Me. You who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. He raised up. You know, we were. That's. Listen, guys, you were raised up with Christ. Why? Because he was our victory, right? He was, he was raised up together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Some of them? Like I said, there's so many scriptures that talk about forgiven us all our trespasses. You do not, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have a trespass against you. We'll have to get to another time where you can purge your conscience, identify your conscience, and purge your conscience. You have to do it. Because the truth is that you have no transgressions against you. And I I always have to say this when I say that. I just want to leave it there and think we've grown. But the truth is some people will hear that and say, well, then I can live like the devil. I can do whatever I want. That's really, really, really stupid. I mean, it's really stupid. If you want to destroy your life and you want to be very ignorant, then just go ahead and live in sin. Because sin will destroy your life. If you want pain and suffering, if you want to hurt your children, if you want to hurt the people you love, go ahead and play with sin. And see what happens. Sorry, is that, sorry. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but we've got to say these things because people hear you and they say, you say it's okay to sin. I'm like, no, I'm telling you that there is no sin against you because that's what the Bible tells us. And you've got to know that. Because if you still think yourself, you've got sin and you're not qualified and you don't do this, then you disqualify yourself from one ever feeling that you can walk boldly to the throne of grace. You never run to Him in a time of need. You don't ever go and do anything for the kingdom because you're so beaten up by your own brain. Your own lack of beliefs. It's like my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We live and we accept destruction. We accept sickness. Like it's not an enemy. We accept sickness like it's not a part of death. Like Because everybody around us say, it's okay. It's that time of the year. You should be getting sick. Why? Why do you want to get sick? Why do you want to let it in you? Why don't you use your lips? Have you heard me talk about the keys of the kingdom? Say, no, this is bound in heaven. I am not going to there's no sickness in hospitals. I bind this. I do not receive. I resist it in the name of Jesus. I do not accept COVID. I don't accept this. I don't accept that no, no, it's that time of the year, you know, it's my, it's my allergies. My allergies. Mine. Nobody else's. Mine. Don't you touch my allergies. Sorry, I know I'm treading. I'm actually, I'm probably stomping on a few toes and I don't, I I just, I just think that, that, that when we, when we, we want to lay hold of these things, because this is how the devil steals from us. Because he has got no power. He has no power other than deceit. But because we're ignorant, and then he and then, and then he's plays fair game with us, and we just like roll over, yeah. give it to me. We go to the doctor for a diagnosis. What does the doctor say? Who cares? Who cares what the doctor says? I mean, whose report will you believe? I've got to rush off to the doctor. Doctor, tell me what's wrong with me. There's got to be something wrong with me. Just give me a name so I can go and tell my friends. You know what I've got? I've got allergies or I've got sickness or I've got this. We possess it. We just possess it. We possess what we're not supposed to. So we are defeated as an army that is sick and miserable and poor and because we don't take our salvation. That is ours. Earned. We're co-heirs with Christ. Yes. Jesus, what he earned and he raised from the dead on that cross and he gave us for free. And we're just like, whatever, my allergies. Because we haven't taken what is ours, earned for us on the cross. So Colossians 2 says this, you were dead in, and, and having forgive. sorry, I got to verse 13 and then I rabbited. By, cance- by cancelling, verse 14, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That is the law. The law, we're not going to talk about the law, but the, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The cross. It was nailed to the cross. And then 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Excuse me, How, what? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Who did he give the authority to? One person knows it. Matthew, Matthew twenty-eight. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. We are the extension. We get His authority. Like Nate said, we are hands and feet. God is a Spirit, and, it, and it, we, those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. We are His hands and feet. We are His ambassadors. We are His legal representatives to enforce His authority on earth. We are kings and priests unto God most high. There is, He, the, 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 he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over, um, by triumphing over them in Him. In Christ, he triumphed, and, and, and some of you have studied that word, and I don't want to go too, too much into it, but that word triumph is huge. That is, in those old days, basically, when there was a defeat of a king and a kingdom, they, made, they triumphed. They had a triumphal procession. They would drag the defeated king through the streets. So that children would know that this king, that, would, that they had feared, that they would often put out his eyes. And you actually see biblical accounts of this. They would actually sometimes take or put out his eyes or do variations of things like that to make sure that nobody ever feared him again. They triumphed over him. Satan was defeated and disarmed. He was defeated and disarmed. But his deceptions are alive and well. We are not unaware of his devices. He, there is a Satan, and he's not in hell. I mean, we can make a whole message and series on that about the devil and what his ability and where he is. He's never been to hell. He will be, and he ain't getting out when he goes. Well, actually, there is one time he's going to be there for a thousand years, and he will be set free for a brief time. And then there will be the final, and he'll be destroyed and be sent into a lake of burning. But he doesn't live in Hades he doesn't in the abode of the dead. He is here. And there's only one of him. And he has a limited number of demons. They don't multiply. I mean, anyhow, that's like I said. We could, we've got books on the topic and we've got things that we can talk about. These are more important, though. First Peter 1 says this. Uh, this, pa- this passage of Scripture is so powerful. And I've just got to look at my time here because I, it, is, it is so wonderful. Man. I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed, beautiful word, right? Bought out of that, that, that bondage. From the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, with, uh, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. He was, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers Uh, In God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now listen to this, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's a good one, right? Love one another earnestly, brotherly love. Since you have been born again, verse 23, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Man, this living and abiding word of God. For, and then he says this All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Which word? He's about to tell us. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. What word? This good news. That is the imperishable seed, the enduring seed. The eternal seed, this word, this good news about Jesus. Do you know Jesus in one trillion ta- years' time, he will have scars still? He will have scars in his hands and his feet and in his side and in his head. He will have scars. This good news. So it goes, and then I, I, I'm sorry there's a chapter demarcation there, but. I didn't put the chapters in there, so you just got to carry on because it wasn't in the original. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that you may grow up in your salvation. What? You can grow up in your salvation? Sure can. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Man, don't you remember that? There's that scripture in in Psalms that says, taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see. God is good. And I did a message just a few weeks ago on the theology of good. As you, come in, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am in laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Man. So the honor for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were destined to do. But you are are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Hallelujah. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Man, so much there. They stumbled because they didn't obey. They, did, they disobeyed the word. Now, that word disobey, man, you've, you've got to look up. You get Blue Little Bible. That word is apatho, and it literally means to a is the negative version of patho which is to be persuaded they refuse to align themselves they refuse to align their beliefs they refuse to be persuaded of the truth let's not be there about anything we can refuse to be persuaded by the truth and and not enter rest and that's got nothing to do with heaven, about entering, but it's, they stumble because they disbelieved, they disobeyed, they didn't allow themselves to be persuaded by this gospel, this good news, this imperishable seed. And so, uh, Jesus talks about this cornerstone, this, this, this piece over here. Um, in Matthew 21, and he says he says this, I, I know I'm jumping down there a little bit, but in Matthew 21:42, Jesus says, have you read, not read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and is it marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. The one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and when it, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And listen to this. This is religion, right? When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Jesus was speaking. That same passage of Scripture is actually repeated so many times in the New Testament. About that the stone that the builders rejected and the chief cornerstone. In Romans 9, I love this explanation because to me it's, it's, the, it's the clearest uh, uh, teaching that we have in the New Testament uh, about what this is saying. So in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. Not a righteousness by works. A righteousness that you get simply Because you believe what Jesus did for you. But that Israel who who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. You see, Israel, Israel had made the religious mistake, which I used to do, that if I just kept the rules, I could be righteous enough. And that is where religion lives today. If you are just good enough, if you can just keep the rules... You can can reach that point. No. Israel pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I am in laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, the stumbling stone of the gospel is faith righteousness. They pursued it. Israel had pursued it as if it was works. And here it clearly says, no, this was they stumbled over the stumbling stone as if it was they were trying to get righteousness by being and doing good works instead of trusting Jesus and what he did. That's the only way that we can. And so it's so it's so important for us to understand, listen, listen. This righteousness is only ever going to be received by faith. And we see that, we see that mentioned a few times. Um, I mean, it, the, those passages in, in Isaiah, I don't even feel like I need to, to read. Because they come out of Isaiah, I think it is, I've got them listed here. But Isaiah 8 and 28, where, the, the, where he's crossing. And remember, I, I mentioned this last week too. Isaiah is the prophet of salvation. His name literally means that. He is the prophet of salvation. But this rock of offense, Jesus himself is the cornerstone, but the rock of offense is faith righteousness. To believe and to get your heart fully persuaded takes effort. It takes effort because it it will offend every religious piece of you that has been grown up in church that says, You've got to be righteous by your doing good. You can't ever be that. You will stumble over the stumbling stone. And just like Jesus said, he said, either you fall on the rock or the rock falls on you. He is our salvation. Yeah. Jesus, as, as tough as it might be to believe... You can choose to allow your heart to be persuaded. Choose your heart to, to be established in the finished work. Again, the finished work 2,000 years ago. The victory. You will never be victorious in your ability. Never. And that is actually a relief. Because you don't even have to try. What? What? Yes, you don't have to try and have victory. All you have to do is believe that Jesus had the victory. Because every promise that he earned, I am a co-heir. I am a child. I identify in his victory. I identify. I don't stumble over the stumbling stone. But I look to the power of the gospel, the power of the cross. That's what the cross means. So when I look back at the cross, I want you to see that we don't look at a blood-stained cross timbers of wood. There's no power in the wood, no matter how many people try and sell you slivers of it in Israel. <laughs> there's no power. There's no magic in the wood. It's sick to me. It sickens me when religion tries to and they literally do that in certain religion. They pieces of relics of, of apostles and saints. they've got bones. If you just touch this and you have a sliver of that and it's like it's holy. It's like, I, I, I know Jesus wants to throw up. Because it's not faith righteousness. They're stumbling over the stumbling stone. Righteousness by faith. I have got to identify with only the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead and that I am in him. Then I, I have my righteousness and I have my victory. I just have to, if this is Jesus, I step into him, the victorious one. If you're struggling with any issue, and I mean any issue, your victory is not going to come by trying harder, by pulling your socks up and giving another run at it. How many have tried that? Or just me? It doesn't work. You just step into Jesus. What are you going to believe? you've got to identify, look, I'm going to see myself, I'm going to persuade my heart that He is my righteousness and He is my victory. When I see that, man, He is my victory. He overcame it. This is another exercise. In fact, let's just do this exercise as we close. Close your eyes a second. Your sin, the sum of your sin, or your issues, or your Disqualifications, ways you've disqualified yourself, or your failures, or your needs, your lack that you have, your disobediences, your idolatry, your failures, the things you should have. You've got to just put them all into one encapsulated area and you are alone at the cross. You are alone at the cross, no one else. And there's Jesus. And just before he dies, he says to you, it's mine. And he takes every fault, failure, that whole bag, Of past present and future failure and he puts it on himself and he gives you his history but that's not done yet wait then he says it is finished and he gives up his life with your sin and he goes to Hades with your sin. And he pays the full punishment as your sinnerness. He doesn't carry your sin, he has given you his righteousness and become your sin. So he has to pay the legal demand. And he does. And he has victory over it and then it doesn't stop there he has victory over Hades he has victory over death as God raises him from the death he has victory over every one of that in this image I want you to keep this in mind every sin you can see Jesus trapped with the links of every one of your failures your personal failures wrapped in chains with your faults that's what he overcame he victed not over his thing he victed over yours and he's triumph over the cross by being raised on that third die triumphing over them in it, making a spectacle of all these worldly rulers and spiritual forces. So you've got to look at yourself now and see in Christ, I have his inheritance and whisper that to your heart keep whispering that to your heart I'm a co-heir with Christ I have what he earned only by faith I will not stumble over the stumbling stone I will not try and earn what he earned I can only receive it by faith He has my victory That lack that you have, that mindset of poverty, that disease that he carried, you don't have to have victory over it. And you certainly don't have to ask God to have victory over it. You have to identify where it was, what Jesus did with it and who, what promise you are in right now. I am in righteousness. I am in wholeness. I am in health. I do not suffer lack. He became poor so that I could become rich. He bore my sicknesses, my pains, my diseases. He had victory over my depression, over my alcoholism, over my pornography over my substance abuses, whatever, my infidelities nothing shocks God and he has already taken that on him. so personalize that just take it onto yourself just say thank you Lord that I'm righteous in you simply by faith and I receive that. And if you don't know Jesus then that's where you just start. Jesus, I don't even know you but I want to know you. I want to know this Jesus. This Jesus that loves me so much. This Jesus that died for me. This Jesus that took my sickness. This Jesus that took my diseases. This Jesus that took my faults, failures. I want to know you. I receive your love. I cling to that. Never will I look at the cross the same way again, but I will see the cross as victory because it's only victory in you. Thank you, Father, for sending us your Son, your only begotten Son, so that you could restore a relationship with you, that we can live with you for all eternity. Father, thank you that we are empowered by this cross, that we know the power of this cross, that not only will we experience wholeness in this life, but we'll be conduits of wholeness to people around us, conduits of love, conduits of this powerful good news. We just yield to that. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Thank you, Father. Amen. amen isn't it good how does your heart feel does it feel like the prince of peace dwells inside of you he made peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near he is the prince of peace that's why this is called the covenant of peace and we preach the gospel of peace peace isn't it good thank you Jesus well, let's stand together as we just dismiss. Father, we're just so grateful for all of this, Lord. How can we ever express but we just thank you that we journey in this in a deeper revelation of your love and we are rooted and grounded and firmly established in the in the height, depth, width, and length of your love, so that we become filled with all your fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well guys,